0: We're going to be in Genesis and Galatians today, so you can be ready to turn to Genesis uh, chapter 17. I'm going to read a verse out of Hebrews, just one verse, and then we'll go over to Genesis. And the verse in Hebrews is Hebrews eleven eleven. Notice the words. Pay very close attention to words. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. You know, we hear a whole lot of people talk about Well, you need to build up your faith. You just need to have faith in this. You just need to have faith in that. And over the past several weeks, we've been talking about faith. And I hope that you're picking up on that advice is not good. Picking up on the advice of you need to have more faith and focusing on you as the source of faith is wrong. God waited until he had an impossible situation. Every person looking around would have been looking at Abraham and Sarah and said, finally, they cannot do it. And that's when God started to work. Sarah had faith in God. Because he had promised it, and that means he was going to do it. And I wrote down a verse out of Second 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, talking about God, he cannot deny himself. So it doesn't matter if we believe. It doesn't matter if we have enough faith. If God said it and he's promised it, it's going to come to pass. Are we going to be involved or not? See, Sarah could have not believed in what God was going to do, and she may not have been involved. But they were involved. God chose them. God wanted to work through them. They were by no means perfect in what, what, uh, how, they, how their walk was with God, and we've talked about those situations up till now. And this is just a very significant verse, and, I, and I, I just really hope that you will focus in on where the faith is and who, it's, who, who you're looking to for faith, and it should be Him, uh, God. All right, <clears throat> now let's go to Genesis 17. <clears throat> this is where we uh, ended up last week. Genesis 17, starting with verse 1, we read this last week. And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, so he's ninety-nine years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am thee, Almighty God, walk before me, and be thou perfect, or complete. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. He has nobody. I mean, he, he's, he's produced uh, Ishmael, but he has, not, he has not gotten the promised son yet. So all he has is Ishmael, and he's not even the promised son. But it says many nations. One boy, as of right now, that's a far cry from many nations. Now what we, what we know is that Abraham ended up having Isaac, and we're going to read about that here in a little bit. And then he, after Sarah dies, he marries again Keturah, And how many sons are listed under her name? It's six of them. And they became nations. The Midianites came from that, amongst others. So that's eight that we can count. Eight sons, and they all became many nations. Verse 6, And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Now, You need to pay attention to what that just said. For an everlasting possession. The nation of Israel. Look at them over there. They've been in the news lately. It is their everlasting possession. Not anybody else's. Nine. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations this is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee every man child among you shall be circumcised all right so they they this circumcision thing was a new thing and it is a type and picture of us being born again and the flesh being taken away that circumcision that's made without hands the operation of god that we read about in the New Testament. So we we see this uh, covenant made with Abraham and circumcision, the cutting away of unnecessary flesh that was a hindrance to producing fruit for God, and that was uh, something that God did to Abraham. And I'll skip down to 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah. So this is wonderful. This is a great part of the Bible. Because now we can start saying Abraham and Sarah. Ah, thank goodness. We got there. So Sarah shall her name be, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. See, we always always, uh, think about Sarah as the one who laughed. But he did it first. I mean, he's happy. He's he's thankful because of this promise and that Sarah is actually going to have a son. And he said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, now this is an important little verse right here. And even though he's gotten this promise that they're going to have a promised son, listen to what he says. He said unto God, Oh that Ishmael might live before thee. Now, Ishmael's been around for a little while. Uh, He's been around for what, 13 years? Ishmael, yeah, 13 years. We're going to read that here in a second. Okay, Ishmael, 13 years old, and he's, he's kind of saying, remember when Abraham said, look at my, my servant who's grown up in my house, maybe he should be my heir. And God's like, no, he's not going to be. You're going to have a son. Now they've had a son, and he's going, what about this Ishmael? Can't you use him? Like God is really going to look past that thing they did to bring in a son after the flesh when they need to be looking for the son after the promise. <clears throat> but he, has, he loves Ishmael. Ishmael is his son. And Ishmael has, has uh, been with his father Abraham for 13 years. He's learning from him. And he, he wants to be, uh, be that promised child, but he's not going to be. And 19 says, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall, be, shall he begat, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he let off, talking with him, and God went up from Abraham, and Abraham took Ishmael his son and all that were born in his house and all that were bought with his money. So it's all the people who needed to be uh, or required to be circumcised. So he took all of them and everybody gets circumcised, and then move down to uh, 24. Abraham was 90 years old and 9 when he was circumcised in his flesh of his foreskin, 25, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised. Okay, so all the people were circumcised. We have one year, and Abraham and Sarah are going to have Isaac. So move over to Genesis 21, first 12 verses of 21. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, and, and set time of, at the set time of which God had spoken to him, And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Now, Isaac represents many things in Scripture. Uh, When I say that, mainly Christ. He's a type and picture of Christ. And we see he's also, because he's the son of promise, he also can be a type of any one of us in the church age that believe and come into the family of God, even though we're not part of the elect of God. Now, there are certain people who listen to this, and especially the Calvinists, and they'll say, oh no, no, if you're born again, you're, you're one of the elect. Well, I think every person is elect because of what Jesus did. Jesus came down and made a way for any sinner to come to him. So we're all... Part of the elect, but the elect would be the, the, the nation of Israel, and I can show you a verse uh, that proves that, and uh, I think I should, this is Second Timothy 2, I, I knew I had Second Timothy marked because I read Second 2 Timothy 2.13, but if you, if you look at, uh, you can write this down in your notes, you can look at it for yourself sometime. But this is this is Second uh, Timothy two chapter. I mean, Second Timothy chapter two verse ten says, Paul is talking to Timothy and he said, "Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, for their sakes." And then what does he say? That they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So Paul is saying, I'm doing all this for the elect's sake, that they might be saved. But yet you've got this doctrine out there in some churches that say, if you're the elect, then you're, you're going to get saved regardless of whether you want to or not, because you're one of the elect. Well, Paul just said there in 2 Timothy that he just wants the elect to get the same salvation that everybody else can get because of what Jesus did for them. So, And what Paul was saying, he's talking about his, his people, the nation of Israel, is what he was talking about at, in that verse. And God is not done with Israel. He's promised them things that are going to last forever. The church is not spiritual Israel. The church has not replaced Israel. We're able to join in because of Abraham, the person we've been studying about for weeks now. And also, remember the story of Abraham sending his servant to go find Rebekah for Isaac. The father sends the Holy Spirit down to us to find the bride for the bridegroom. And though we we have not seen him like Rebekah had not seen Isaac, but she heard all about him, and the holy spirit which i think the servant is representative of the holy spirit and the holy spirit convicts us and tells us all about jesus do you want to be his bride and then we go to him to be his bride so just think about isaac in those different ways of what he represents okay verse 4 and abraham circumcised his son isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. Just joy in this. This promise that was actually fulfilled in an impossible human situation. But remember... What the angel of the Lord said, you know, is anything too hard for God? I think that was, I think that was said when uh, Sarah was in the tent and she, she was listening to what was going on outside and uh, the angel was telling uh, Abraham that he would have a son through Sarah and she's in there laughing. And then he said, why does she laugh? Oh, I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did. Is anything too hard for God? Seven, and she said... Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah, Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which he had borne unto Abraham, mocking so, so she's looking at Ishmael, and Ishmael's over there mocking this little, little, this little Isaac who just had this celebration when he was weaned. Now here's the main verse. Verse 10. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. It was grievous because he had developed a very good relationship with Ishmael. He loved Ishmael. And this is what Sarah is saying, cast out the bondwoman and her son. And it was very grievous to him. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman, and all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Tough. You know, the, circumstance, the circumstances, or the consequences, I should say, the consequences of the things that we do will be with us. You know, we, we, we may do some terrible sin, And we can be forgiven of it. You know, we realize that we have done something terrible. We ask for forgiveness and all that. God will forgive us. Uh, We can have a person that you would say, oh, he's too far gone, and you preach the word to them. They hear the word. They get convicted. They want to come forward, and they want to bow down and, and pray to God to save them. Well, they're forgiven, and their soul is going to heaven. Well... All the things they did, maybe it's found out a week later that they killed somebody and they were running from them and running from the law. Oh, no, no, they've been forgiven. They're okay. They came forward and they confessed their sins. They're okay. You don't bother them, police officer. Is that going to happen? They're going to arrest them and take them to jail. They're going to go to trial and the system will play out. The consequences, see, that guy that he killed is not coming back. The family that was maybe uh, destroyed because of it, they're not going to have you know, any kind of comfort. We have to deal with the consequences of our sins. We may have to live with them the rest of our lives. And, but it's still important to know that we can be forgiven by God and go and be with him forever no matter what we've done. So Abraham is living with some consequences. The nation of Israel today is living with the consequences of what he did by having the Son through the flesh. They were impatient and waiting for the Son of Promise, and the consequences are very apparent, even today, because of what they did. Now we're in uh, Galatians, uh, chapter 4. Galatians, now, this is what we would call an allegory. When Moses was writing the story in Genesis, he had no idea that that story that he was telling, that he was writing about, was an allegory. And that Paul, one day, many, 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 many years later, would be writing about the story that Moses wrote as an allegory. But it didn't matter that Moses knew that or not, did it? He was being inspired by God to write something, and he wrote it. So the same Holy Spirit that inspired Moses to write the history also inspired Paul to write the allegory. And we're going to read it right now. Starting with verse 19 of Galatians chapter 4. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again. <laughs> can you imagine having a baby all over again? You know, you, I, I, I witnessed it, and I'm like, "Wow, I, got, I had a whole new respect for women who have babies. I'm like, "Wow." And to, to watch them go through that and then say, "All right, let's do it over." <laughs> like, "Uh-uh. So Paul is kind of saying, look, you know how when you write a letter, and especially when you text, people can't tell your body language, facial expressions. And and, and a lot of times when you text somebody, they, they get the totally wrong impression of what you're saying. And then you've got to clear it up later. But when you, if you're talking one-on-one, you can see facial expressions and see the demeanor of the person, how they're presenting it. It's way better. And Paul has to... He, he's going to tell us, I think, here that he would love to be there with you. But it's almost an act of mercy of God that he's not there because he would have really been rough. He would have been looking out for his people that he preached the gospel to And somebody has come in and messed them up, and he's mad. And if he would have went there, he might have done some things that he would have regretted. So he's writing this. So he's like, have I got to do this all over again? I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? Do you not understand what you... can, you, can you, Do you really think you can actually keep it to start with? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. See, none of this was by accident. He did have two sons. The one by, by bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar, which is uh, the New Testament way of saying Hagar. Hagar represents the woman out of Egypt who had the son through just fleshly means, For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. That's Sarah. Hagar and Sarah. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren, that bearest not. That's Sarah. Break forth and cry thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than, than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. That's a, talking to you. Everyone that's in this building right now, Anybody's hearing this, we are like Isaac. We are children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was after the Spirit. We just read about that. As a, as a little kid, I mean, he was, what, 13, 14, when he, maybe 15 when, when uh, Isaac is weaned, and he's mocking the promised child. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? We need to say that a whole lot more often. What saith the Scripture? Scripture. Let's go look at it. And what did it say? It said, cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Sound familiar? So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free woman. Of the free. We are at liberty, and and, and Galatians, the whole book of Galatians is about the people in Galatia, which are going to represent all of us today, I mean I've met so many people who want to be Jewish. They want to go back and try to have all the feast days, keep all the holy days, and say certain words, Jewish or Hebrew-like. They want to try to be Jewish. Well in Revelation, pretty sure it's in chapter 2, talk, one, of the, one of the seven churches when uh, the angel's talking about, Jesus is talking about, uh, there are those who say they're Jews and are not. And Jesus said he hates them. Those who claim to be Jews and are not. It's a very dangerous thing to do. And if you say you have to be you know all the ceremonial stuff that goes on with the nation of Israel, and you need to do that to please God. Have you ever been to, ever talked to anybody that goes to a particular church denomination and every other church is, is uh, no good, only their church is good? Have you ever been around somebody like that? You know, if, if I was to say, oh, this, don't go to that church, don't go to that church, this church is the only place you're going to hear anything that's, that's true, then I'm becoming very legalistic and thinking highly of us and, and what our beliefs are. And nobody's got it figured out completely. But there's all kinds of other churches that you can go to and hear the Word of God. And I, 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 the jail ministry is awesome because I meet all kinds of different guys from different denominations. And yes, they get locked up in jail. Many of them go to church or have gone to church. A lot of them bailed out. A lot of guys that I have ministered to at the jail, they went to church and then they rebelled against it. They bugged out. Pastor sons have been in my Bible study classes there. Grandsons of pastors. And some of them, yeah, they had fathers or grandfathers that were in those legalistic churches. So yeah, there's some bad places out there, but none of us have got it all figured out. So this allegory that we just read about in Galatians, what's a good, can you think of a good allegory that was written a long time ago, and Lois read it, Pilgrim's Progress. That's a spiritual allegory that a person wrote, and it's just an example Of how we can learn the things of God. It was about a person who became a believer and his trip all the way trying to find to get to the celestial city. He wants to find heaven and everything that he goes through as a believer. That's an allegory. That story. I'm going to read just a little bit out of uh, this John Phillips book and then we will be done. He says, our attention is drawn next to the two situations, but he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he uh, of the free woman was by promise. He says, Paul skillfully identifies the main point of the story. Abraham acted in the flesh to produce Ishmael. All right, listen to this. I didn't write this, okay? This is John Phillips. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. The birth of Ishmael involved nothing of faith. He was the product of fleshly activity and worldly policy. Nor did Ishmael's birth involve anything of the supernatural. Ishmael was produced in the energy of the flesh according to the ordinary working of the laws of nature, Anyone can produce an Ishmael. Our churches are full of them. Ouch. With the birth of Isaac, however, everything was quite different. Both Abraham and Sarah were too old to have children. The birth of Isaac was supernatural. Faith believed God, and God wrought the miracle. Isaac was born of faith, and was the child of promise. Elsewhere, Paul puts it thus. This is out of Romans. And being not weak in faith, he, talking about Abraham, considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. That's something I keep bringing back up. Imputed righteousness. When we get to a point, any of us, no matter how young or how old we have gotten, when any of us are trying to bring something to God and say, look, God, and, and you should do things for God. You should go out and do things. You should. But let's just say you have somebody who is new. They, they, they know they're a sinner, and they've come to that realization, which is important. That's what we call, you need to repent. You know, your way's not not doing you too good, and you need a new way. So you need to repent of your way and turn to God's way. But we need to make sure that that person never thinks that they have to do uh, how many chapters a day? okay? Uh, and, and, and how many times do I have to come to church? okay? And how many good deeds do I have to go out and do? Uh, how many times do I need to witness per week? Check it off, check it off. And, if you, and you bring all that to God and say, God, look at all the good things that I've done. Until we get to the point that we understand that none of that, you can't do any of that stuff to make you presentable to God. It's actually getting you further away. Because you're bringing something to Him so that He will accept you. We can't bring anything. we got to get, like Sarah, totally unable to bring any life, anything into this world. And then we got to get, see, because as humans, we can make things happen. That might impress other people. You know, Abraham was able to take the advice of his wife and say, here's Hagar, let's have the baby through her. Great idea on a human level. And they were able to produce something. A baby boy came forth, which was part of the promise. But they did it the wrong way. So God had to wait for Abraham to get to the point where they, he couldn't even do that. And it was a total impossible situation. All of us need to understand, we need to get to that point where we say, God, I can do nothing. And he'll look at you and say, now I can work with you. Now you can become a son of God. You can become a son of promise because you have admitted that it's impossible with you. You have nothing good to bring. And now you will produce godly fruit because of your faith in Him. Because you have no faith in yourself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And Father, thank you for all of these people who have come out today to worship together. Father, I pray that this word out of your holy book, will help us, Father, to understand the importance of doing things your way. Father, your ways are the perfect ways. Father, I pray that we would be a people that wouldn't try to help you out. Father, that we would be patient and wait for your timing because your timing is perfect. Father, I just pray that we would just have a, a, a humble spirit. Father, that we will listen. <clears throat> we will communicate with you through prayer. We will read your holy book. And Father, we will learn about you and what you expect of us. We will see your promises in your uh, holy scriptures. And Father, we will believe those things that are there that we just can't see to be possible but because you said they are possible, that we will believe it. And Father, when we just believe, just simply believe your word, that you will impute that righteousness that we don't deserve to our account. And Father, we will be saved and able to walk the Christian life, to want to be together with other believers, Father, we will want to learn your ways and follow your ways. And Father, we'll want to witness, not because we have to, but because our hearts have been changed and we now want to. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Christ's name we praise, Amen.